This series is one of the most important series that we do every year. Hopefully leaders are going to be bringing you notes and Bibles shortly. Uh, but while they do that, just, just listen here. This series that we're starting tonight is one of arguably the most important series that we do every year. Because this series is about who we are at Trademark. This is the series that tells you what we're trying to accomplish, what we hope to achieve. It is so important that we teach this exact series every single year. Around this time every year, we do this series. I don't know when we first started doing this series. Maybe five years? Is it five years now, Ty? Does that make sense? Five years. That's all right. We were pulling out the two liters, we were putting up the signs, and, and Anissa was like, this is so nostalgic, like, this is so crazy. Trademark has been rolling this out for a long time. So, um, at Trademark, we say that Trademark, we are a product of the truth, with a capital, a capital T. We are a product of the truth, the truth being Jesus Christ. Um, and, and so in this talk through the series, you're going to learn about who we are at Trademark. You're going to learn about what we're trying to accomplish, why we do what we do. You're going to, we're going to answer questions like, why does it even matter? Why does all the little things that we do matter? And, and what do we want to be known for? We call these our marks, our marks. What do we want to be known for at Trademark? What are you, as like the students of Trademark, supposed to be doing about it to help that happen? And so on your notes, the first blank that you can fill in, I know they're getting pens your way, but this is a pretty easy blank. You can put in this, it's all about Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's all about Jesus. You don't go to a church where you're going to see um, any of your pastor's faces on every, any advertisement. You don't go to a church where we're even going to put the pastor's name on the sign because it's not about the pastors. It's not about any of you. It's all about Jesus. Absolutely. And, and so if it's all about Jesus, then you, me, church, every part of life really is all about Jesus. So you and I, you and I, wow, talking is a challenge. You and I are all about Jesus. Why, why is that a true statement? Well, because he made us. He made us. And uh, he loves us. And he died for us. Life itself is all about Jesus because Jesus is the one who gets glory from everything we do in life. Jesus gets the glory. Even the sunrise, the sunset, a beautiful tree, the stars in the sky, all of it gives glory not to me. Not to you, not to your favorite sports team or some famous person. It gives glory to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You cannot exist on this planet and disagree. The Bible says that because of creation, God has, has shown everyone who he is. So even people who say they don't believe in God, it, the Bible says that they're suppressing the truth. They're lying. Because of how God is, he's revealed himself to every single person. It's all about Jesus. Church at church. Everything we do is for Jesus, through Jesus, in Jesus, around Jesus. It's important as a church that we don't lose sight of the most important central core truth, and that truth is Jesus. We cannot lose sight of it. Of all the cool things we do, we spent three weeks doing kind of like a, a, a let's talk and a Q&A, and we do all kinds of cool creative stuff like that. We'll play games, we'll do all kinds of cool stuff. But we cannot, we have to strive with all our might to not lose sight of the most important core 
truth that we have. It's not just a thing. It's a person and his name is Jesus. Are you with me? Okay, it's all about Jesus. I believe there should be an eye chart. Do we have an eye chart back there? Awesome. Do you, have you guys seen one of these? Okay. <laughs> How many of you like have to do this like every other week? They're like, nope, you're still blind. Um, yeah, yeah. So I actually called someone who works in, with uh, like eye prescriptions. And stuff. They said they don't really use these anymore. It's all like digital. Is that true? Yeah. All these people have got, okay, cool. I was shocked. I was like, hey, I need an eye chart. I need you to loan me an eye chart. They were like, what's that? I was like, are you serious? That's what you do for a living. They were like, we don't do that anymore. So anyway, when I was growing up, and maybe for some of you, maybe this is going to make me a little old, but we used to have to stand, we even did this at school, we used to have to stand at like 10 feet, 20 feet or whatever, and we'd have to cover one eye, and they would say, read line three, line two, you, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And if we didn't do it well, they would say, you're blind, right? Something like that. I mean, they, were, they weren't that nice back then. Um, so on the eye chart, hang with me, because I think this will help explain how important it is. Hopefully everyone in this room can see the big E. Can everyone see the big E? Yes. Okay. <laughs> now, how everyone sees the rest of those letters may differ a little bit. Some of you are like, I see people literally like, I can't see the third line, right? So you might look at the rest of the letters a little bit different, but everyone can see the big E pretty clearly. And, and churches a lot like that, Christians are like that. Jesus is the big E. Jesus is the big E. You, you guys hanging with me? So without understanding and seeing him, the rest of the stuff at church really doesn't matter because you missed the main point, Jesus. Right? No one's impressed if you can read the bottom line if you can't read the big E. Right? No one's like, ooh, you're so cool. You're also super blind. And Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no one's impressed, right? If you can't get the big E right, there's a problem. Jesus is the big E. And Christians will have different ways to view many small things in church. And you might have times where you're like, I don't like that song. I don't like how they, they preach like this. I don't like how they conduct their services. I don't like that their AC unit is broken like all the time. I don't like this or that. I don't like that they play games, whatever it is, right? And, and that's fine. But, but Jesus is the big E. If we can't get the big E right, None of the other stuff matters. You with me? So we have to get Jesus right. So hopefully you see it. Hopefully you see the big E, but more important, hopefully you guys, every single week, in every sermon, in every worship song, you see Jesus. That's the goal. That's the big goal. All the other things I'm going to talk about, relationships and proclamation and faith and transformation, all those things are great. All those things are great. But, but the, none of it is possible without Jesus. Which is why we, we created this, this logo. If we can throw that up. Uh, it, our logo was kind of old. You can see the old one in my office. I, I asked Titus to redo it. So this is kind of like a re revamp on the old one. But the lines mean something. Some of you guys, how many of you have seen this before? At Trademark. You should. We put it up all the time. Okay. The lines mean something. And so in the next four weeks, we're going to talk about our four marks, the four things that we're trying to pursue. And, and the lines mean something. So Jesus is the big bold in the middle, right? Because it's all about Jesus. Okay. You're tracking with me. Now we have authentic relationships and authentic relationships at Trademark. We want to be known for authentic relationships that are centered around Jesus. You tracking with that? You, did you guys see what I did there? If you're not watching, watch. Centered around Jesus. You see how the line goes around. Now, life transformation, we want life transformation through Jesus. We're not opening a gym. 
right? It's not life transformation through the keto diet and working out two hours a day. That's fine. You, you go for it, but not, that's not what we're doing here. We're not opening the gym. We're talking about life transformation through Jesus, right? You're not going to see uh, an Instagram ad for trademark with my, me with my shirt off saying get fit in 20 days. It's just not going to happen. Um, life transformation through Jesus. Audacious faith. Audacious faith. We're going to talk about all these in the coming weeks. Audacious faith in Jesus. In Jesus. And, and tonight what we're going to be talking about is bold proclamation. And it underlines Jesus because it's bold proclamation for Jesus. You guys got it? Did you track with that? Amazing, right? Do you know where I came up with that? Six Flags. <laughs> Seriously. The very first one of those ever drawn out was drawn out on a napkin at Dippin' Dots at Six Flags inspired by the holy dots. It was glorious. It was awesome. And uh, we've been rolling with it ever since. So it's all about Jesus. Uh, we are a product of the truth. We are a product of the truth, and that truth is Jesus. So we should have a good understanding of who Jesus is before we get any further. Before we get into anything else, we need to have a good understanding of who Jesus is and, and why it matters, this big E truth. So number one, Jesus is a big deal because Jesus really lived a perfect life. These are some things we believe about Jesus. Jesus really lived a perfect life. I think that's a blank. Yes, Jesus really lived a perfect life. We believe that here. If you don't believe that, you're welcome to come, but you're not on the same ship with us. You're missing something, okay? Jesus really lived a perfect life. Jesus really lived. He, he, in the Gospels, we see that Jesus ate food. He got tired. He needed water. We see him performing miracles. We see him loving sinners. He really lived on earth, and he really was perfect. We believe that. That's our big E. Jesus really lived a perfect life. We're never, we'll, we'll, we'll fight for that. We'll fight for that. Number two, Jesus really died for our sins. We believe that. We, we actually believe the gospel. And, and that when you read those gospels, you're reading a real account that Jesus really died for his kids. He died for our sins. He wasn't just a criminal who got a good reputation and everyone got him confused. We don't believe that. We believe that Jesus really was the son of God. He really lived a perfect life and he really died on the cross for the sins of many. We believe that. Three, we believe that Jesus really rose from the grave. We believe he really got up. Not only did he live a perfect life, not only did he die a sacrificial death, but he got back up. I like to say it because it sounds a little bit UFC. He kicked death in the teeth, right? He got out of that grave. He kicked death in the teeth. Death is undefeated. Not true, right? Not true. Jesus really rose from the grave. He appeared to all kinds of people. I don't have time to go into all these scriptures, but we, we do this from time to time. He appears to a guy um, named Cephas. He appears to the disciples. He appears to crowds larger than 500 people after he rose. He, he really rose. You know, everyone either had seen him or heard that he was alive, and they knew this was a fact. Uh, everyone who was actually there. It's only now uh, thousands of years later that people are like, I don't know, this kind of sounds fishy. Everyone there actually believed it. You can read throughout history, even non-Christians. Christians are like, no, that happened. That's a real deal. It, it, it's a proven fact that you can look through even outside of just the Bible. We really believe Jesus really rose from the grave. This is vital for your life as a Christian. Because of Jesus' perfect life, we live like Jesus. We, loving God and loving others. We strive to beat sin. 
We say things, especially on Sunday, we say it every week, sin is not my master. See, because Jesus really lived, he really showed us how to live. That means we can strive to live like Jesus. He, he, he did it, and so we strive to be like Jesus. We strive to be perfect. Even though we sin, no one's saying that any of us in here are perfect, but we're trying. We're, we're, we're doing the best we can to look like Jesus. See, because Jesus' death, we don't fear judgment. We, we, we don't fear judgment. Jesus gave us forgiveness from our sins. Forgiveness from our sins. Jesus gave us grace rather than the law. Jesus gave us forgiveness from our sins. He paid the price for us. We live as free people. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we don't fear death. It's crazy, right? Jesus kicked death in the teeth, and it's like, yeah! Because I believe in Jesus, one day I'm going to kick death in the teeth. Think about that. I'm going to kick death in the teeth because I believe in a risen Savior. Because Jesus died and rose again, I too will die and rise with him. Number four, and, and if you can turn to Matthew 16, you can write this first, then turn to Matthew 16. Jesus is in charge of his church. Jesus is in charge of his church. And in Matthew 16, verse 18, there's a huge section here, but I'm just going to look at one little portion here where we see Jesus being in charge of his church. Matthew 16, verse, verse 18. I'd love to read the whole thing, but I have so much to talk about. I don't have time to go through the whole thing. And, uh, and Peter is, is talking with Christ, and then in verse 18, it, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, listen to this statement. Remember, Jesus is talking. On this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, Jesus is in charge of his church. It's important that we know who's in charge and who the church belongs to. Jesus says, I will. I will. I love that Jesus saying it, and I love that he is so confident. It's not like, I will try. I will do my best. No, it's, I will. This thing is over. I will build. Who, who plans the work? Who puts it all into motion? Who's the one who does that according to this? Who puts that plan into place? Who's the one doing the building? Go ahead and answer. Who does that? Jesus, right? Jesus builds his church, and he calls it my church. <laughs> he doesn't say, I'm going to build the church. I'm going to build your church. I'm going to build a church. Jesus stands in front of Peter, and he says, I will build my church. So, so the church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to Pastor Dave. It doesn't belong to any of the leaders. It certainly doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. That's powerful. At MCA and at Trademark, Jesus is in charge. This is his church, which means that everything we do is by his word, the Bible, and guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everything we do. Because that's the way he set it up. Jesus said he would do it when he said, I will, and he has been doing it for 2,000 years, over 2,000 years now. Jesus has been doing this. The churches have existed for that entire length of time. You know what's crazy? The church in Acts, um, it like had maxed out at 120 
Christians early on. And and now 2,000 years later, there are a few billions of Christians across the world. A few billions of Christians across the world. And in the early days, you could say it started with just like 11, right? But but a few, just a few thousand years later, and we have a few billion Christians across the world. I think Jesus is doing a good job. I think he's doing a good job. Jesus is the most famous person to ever live. The, the Bible by far is the most sold book. It's read and, and, and honored as one of the most important books in the history of the world. It's funny, if you, if you tell people, if you ever talk to someone, they're like, oh, I don't read the Bible. I don't, I don't think that's a good book to read. You can be like, wow, you're like one of the few people. It's the most read book in the history of the world. I don't know how you can call yourself educated if you haven't read that one. It's the most read book in the history of the world. You should read it, right? If someone wants to call themselves a scholar, they should start at the top and read the most important books, right? Like, don't read my math textbook. You'll get lost, right? Go to the source. Get a good math textbook. This is, this is amazing. So he builds his church. And, and, and yeah, hear me out. Yes, as Christians, we do a lot of work. We do a lot of work. Today felt like a lot of work. Felt like a really weird day here of just doing stuff. Last night, I prayed at the city council meeting. I went, it took me an hour, and I prayed for 30 seconds. It took me an hour to get there and sit and wait and do all that stuff. Prayed for 30 seconds, said amen, walked out the door, went home. I was like, man, that was a long time to wait to pray for 30 seconds. That was a long time. So, so you might feel like, yeah, there's the, people are doing this work, but really it's Jesus. He lays out the plans. He decided what it should look like and what is most important. It's his church, not not ours. So, so we'll make everything we do about him. We're going to make everything we do about him. We will always preach his word. Every, every week, when you come to Trademark, we're going to be preaching from this book because it's his word. We're not going to be preaching from, from my book. We're going to be preaching from his book because it's all about him. And we will always be giving him glory. And we will always tell his story. It's all about him. He gets all the glory because it's all about Jesus, and I love this statement. Let me spend some time here. He says, let me read the translation so I get it correctly. He says in that same verse, verse 18, after he says, I will build my church, he says, and, and I just love that he just adds this little kicker on, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is so cool. Now here's what's crazy. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And and this is a way of saying nothing can stop this thing called the church that Jesus is building. Nothing can stop it. Not even hell itself could stop the church. And you know what's crazy? I always read that wrong. You're like, how could you read that wrong? It's one of the simplest sentences in the Bible. I always read that wrong. I grew up thinking, hear me out, maybe you think like this. I grew up thinking Christians were always on defense. I grew up thinking that Christians were like these, we were just going to try to sit in our little bubbles and be our, our Christians, and we were going to go to our little churches and try not to cuss and try not to get dirty by being in the world and try not to hear bad words and, and try not to see bad things. We were just going to go through the world just like super scared, but, but don't worry, don't worry, you're, you'll, you'll win in the end. I, that's how I always thought Christians were supposed to live. Just, just hunker down and hold on until Jesus comes. And I missed something. I miss that he isn't talking about our gates. He's not talking about the gates of the church. He's not talking about the gates of you as a Christian. He's talking about the gates of hell. So if that's true, hear this out. Who is on offense? Who's attacking? 
We are. We're not in some corner just hoping we make it till the end. We're on the advance. We're taking down the gates of hell and they will not prevail. It's a totally different way of looking at it. Maybe you all looked at it this way. For me, I just was missing it my whole life. I, I, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't realizing that we were supposed to be on offense. We were attacking. We were progressing. Christians were on the advance. The church was on the advance. No one has ever stopped it. And they won't ever stop it because it's all about Jesus. Did I pound that point enough? Cool. What do you mean by our marks? These, these marks that we want to be known for. Well, these are the things that we are distinguished by. These are the things that we're saying, we want these things to be the things that set us apart. The things that set us apart from the rest of the world, the things that set us apart from anything that's going on, we want these marks to be the, those things. And you can turn to Matthew chapter nine. This will be our last text for the night. Matthew chapter nine. See, see one of those, like what is a mark? When, when I talk about a mark, we're not just talking about like a, uh, like a, a punctuation mark or something like that. But if you think of a mark like this, if, if something were to go on and you had to describe someone today when an, Anissa's car got stolen, um, they were like, what was the person wearing? What did they look like? How tall were they? Did they have any distinguishing marks? They actually asked about a car. What's on your car that might make it so it's not just another white scion, but something special? And Anissa was like, yeah, I have a Zeppelin sticker on there. Exactly, right? Zeppelin sticker. Okay, um, so if you see a white sign with a Zeppelin sticker, call us. Um, <laughs> so she was like, yeah, there is something on my car that's different than all the other white cars. I have a Zeppelin sticker, right? And when, when we're describing the people who, who um, burglarized our church today, we're describing them by their height. We're describing them by the car they drove and the distinguishing marks that they had. Did they have any tattoos? What color hair were they? Or what color... <laughs> what color hair do they have? These are distinguishing marks. You might say, you might describe someone as beautiful blue eyes. She had beautiful blue eyes. She had an ugly nose job, things like that, right? Distinguishing marks. Now, not all distinguishing marks are good, right? Like an ugly nose job, right? But we, these are the marks that we want to be recognized by. Also, if you think about companies, companies have distinguishing marks, right? Companies have a distinguishing mark. Nike has its swoosh, right? Some of you are going to say, Nike has Jordan. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Nike has its swoosh, right? McDonald's has a M, right? The arches, it has an M, okay? It has a distinguishing mark. You can find a McDonald's from like 10 miles away just because you see a red sign with a little bit of yellow blurred in it. You're like, yep, there's a McDonald's. Extra grease. Let's go, baby, right? <laughs> Starbucks, right? How many of you can find a Starbucks? You don't have to actually see the sign. You're just like, there it is. It has a distinguishing mark, right? I used to have literally a four foot tall um, Starbucks sign in my garage, just the siren, right? Um, and so they have a distinguishing mark. It's something that lets you be easily recognizable. And so as at Trademark, these are the four things we decided are what we want to be known for. The four marks, and these have been our four marks for I think five years now, these are the four marks that we want to be distinguished by. And, and one is bold proclamation for Jesus. Bold proclamation for Jesus. When they see you guys as the students of Trademark, when they hear about what we're doing, if they tune in on Instagram or they show up to one of our events, we want them to leave that interaction and go, wow, those people are bold in their proclamation for Jesus. They don't back down. They're not scared of topics. They're not scared to tell us the truth. They're so bold 
in their proclamation of Jesus. Number two, authentic relationships around Jesus. We want people to leave a, a time at Trademark tonight if there's guests in here. We want you to leave, and, and, and even in this little bit of time that you had with us, hopefully you're going, man, all those people, they have relationships with each other. Not that, that it's perfect, not that everyone gets along all the time, but, but our relationships are authentic because we're all centered around Jesus. We're not centered around ourselves. That's good, right? Most of your friends are centered around themselves, which is why your relationship with your friends doesn't work. Some of you are dating someone who's centered around themselves, which is why that'll never work. Right? You come to Trademark and we're going to say, look, it's not about you, it's not about me. Let's center this thing around Jesus and well, let's see how this works. And you get authentic relationships that way. You get honest relationships. Do you know that I have people in this room that I trust who can, who can look at me and call me out when I'm being stupid? They can say, Gabe, that's so off. You need to adjust. And, 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 and vice versa. That's an authentic relationship. That's not people just tell me what I want to hear. That's special. I can't preach on this. This is coming weeks. Number three, life transformation through Jesus. Life transformation through Jesus. We want people to realize when they show up to Trademark, their first night might be kind of similar, but if you come for any length of time, you should start to change. There should be a transformation taking place. Not that it's going to necessarily be drastic and huge, but it may be subtle, but you will notice things are changing. Your life is being transformed because of Jesus. Your life is being transformed because of Jesus. Not because Pastor Gabe gave a great sermon. Not because the worship team did my favorite song. Not because I love that game that we played. But because of Jesus, your life is being transformed. We want to be known for that. And number four, we want to be known for audacious, audacious faith in Jesus. Audacious faith in Jesus. We want people to look at our group and say, man, Look at the risk they were willing to take for Jesus. Look at what they were willing to try. Look how much energy they were willing to exert. Look how much money they were willing to invest for Jesus. Audacious faith in Jesus. Tonight, with a little bit of time I got left, we're going to talk about bold proclamation for Jesus. Bold proclamation for Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 9, we're going to read this portion, verse 35. And uh, you, you, it's just, we're just going to read like three verses. Matthew 9, 35. Let me get there myself. And Jesus is just doing ministry. And he's going around and he's healing people and doing all kinds of cool stuff. And then he stops. And it's, su- it's super unique because we get to see kind of a glimpse into what Jesus is feeling. And a lot of times you read the Bible and you get to see characters. You get to see people. You get to see Jesus doing stuff. But you don't always get to see what they're feeling that, that, that is a little bit more limited. And here we get to see Jesus kind of feeling, and the Bible is showing us what, what's going through his head, what's, what he's feeling in his heart. And in verse, in verse 35, we'll pick it up there. It says this, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
into his harvest. So, so Jesus is doing this ministry. He sees the crowds, and the Bible says that he had compassion on him. And, and, and if you look at the Greek word there, I know I don't always do this, but the word there for compassion, compassion is a good word, but it goes a little further. The, the idea that he's really trying to, the Bible's really trying to show us here is that Jesus had such compassion that he actually was feeling like sick to his stomach. We don't really have a word for that kind of compassion. Right? And, and so in the English language, we don't have a way to say one word that says, I, I felt so much for them that I was sick to my stomach. We don't have like one word that does that. And so compassion is the closest thing we got. So Jesus is doing his ministry. He looks at the crowds and he gets sick to his stomach. It, it's like his heart hurts for them. His heart hurts for him. He's proclaiming this gospel. He's proclaiming the truth about himself. But he sees them and, and, and he describes them as people who are harassed and helpless harassed and helpless. One translation is harassed and afflicted. Harassed and afflicted. These are people who are helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. You see, these were people who were being deceived by the leaders and the world around them. And Jesus noticed. These are, the leaders around them would mislead them on what was important. Even the religious leaders had little regard for their well-being. They were just looking for more fame and honor and titles. And they would make up rules. This is real. They would make up rules for, that they would have to follow and call them important laws of God. And then if you didn't follow or you couldn't follow them, you would be rejected, dishonored, or even killed. And Jesus sees these people harassed and afflicted by life around them. And, and, and I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you guys, but I see similar things today. I see similar things today that just make my heart break, make my stomach ache. Just make me feel a little sick to my stomach, like, what, that's happening? That's real? How? Like, how is someone enduring that? Why is that going on? Lies are coming across as truth nowadays. Have you noticed that? It's like you're told something as if it's the truth, and then you find out just a couple days later, like, it was all a lie. Lies are coming across as truth, unimportant things that come across as the most important thing, unimportant things that actually are not that important as, as a society in many ways we've lost sight of what really is important. We've really missed it. As a, as a generation, it's scary to see what could happen next. Let me just give you some examples of, of how, and, and you can write this in because I believe you guys are also, just like in Jesus' time, the harassed and afflicted generation. I think you're harassed and afflicted. I, I think this has been true for this entire time. You're harassed and afflicted. Let me give you some examples. It, right now in this day and age, we are manipulated to believe something makes us happy when it really doesn't. We're manipulated to believe, and, and this happens in so many different ways, but through commercials, through social media, even just an image displayed that, that, that there's, there's some sort of happiness out there that you don't have, and if you just had what they had, or you just looked how they looked, or you just did what they did, then you would be happy. And so what you do is then you pursue it, because that's the lie you've been fed. That's the important truth that you've been given, even though it's unimportant, and you pursue it. And maybe you get it, maybe you don't, but even if you get it, you realize you're not happy once you get it. It's a lie. You're being harassed. You're being harassed, and so you might see someone who's Maybe on their social, and they're not being rude, they're not trying to flaunt anything, but you just look at their life and you go, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had a relationship like that. I wish I had parents like that. I wish I had a boat like that. I wish I had a dress like that. I wish I had a girl like that. 
I wish I had a job like that. And so what you do is you look at that and you go, I need that. That's what's going to make me happy. And you realize soon after, you were lied to. You were harassed and afflicted. We're manipulated to think that certain sexual lifestyles are important to have. We're, we're manipulated. And even, I was having a conversation with Joe, but even, even just presenting a biblical truth, someone says, no, you can't say that. Don't shame me like that. And it's like, no, you don't understand. You're being harassed. You're being afflicted. You're being abused by the world around you, and you don't even know it. I'm trying to give you the truth. We are manipulated by music. I, I, I love and I hate, thank you, Ari. I love and, and hate playing this, it's not really a game, but every once in a while, I'll just say the words of a popular song that people like. And it's weird, if you just listen to it, you're like, yeah, it's such a great song. But if you actually just slow down, put the music off, read the words, you're like, this is a terrible song. Um, <laughs> today, today we were at March Middle School, and we're walking through, and one of the assistant principals had real big on her wall, sit down, be humble. Sit down, you all know what this is from, right? Go, don't listen to the song, just go read the lyrics of the song, and you'll realize that this woman is really ins being an insult to women. Because that song is telling women, sit down, be humble. And you, so you guys are like, wait, what? Go read the lyrics. Go read the lyrics, right? We're being fed lies. I'm not saying everything out there's a lie, I'm just saying that this is happening, this is all around us. We're manipulated to act a certain way, we're manipulated to perform to a certain standard. Every time you have a conversation, you watch TV, you look at social media, you compare other people, you're being afflicted. I, I think Jesus would define the situation of our generation in the same way many, everywhere they turn, are being harassed and afflicted. And I don't know about you, but for me, there's often times where I look at it and I just feel sick to my stomach. Not necessarily at the people, just at the situation. That this is reality, that people are pushed into corners, that they feel like they have to make decisions, that, that, that even today, that, that someone felt like their life was in such a mess that they had to rob a church to find some sort of happiness. And you just look at that and you're like, oh, you're so harassed, you're so afflicted, you're, you're so confused at what's going on. And then all of a sudden it's no wonder, I feel like God's like, it's no wonder people are turning away from me. It's no wonder, it's, it's no wonder that they're flooded with horrible relationship after horrible relationship after horrible relationship. It's no wonder there's so much addiction. It's no wonder there's so many issues with parents. It's no wonder that there's an identity crisis where, where, where people can't even figure out if they're a boy or a girl. It's no wonder because we're harassed and afflicted on every side. It's no wonder there's so much anxiety. It's no wonder there's so much depression. And then you just look at the world. I don't know about you, but my stomach, it, it's just, I get sick to my stomach and my heart breaks for you, for me, for my son just growing up in this world. And I go, come on. So what do we do about it? And, the, and I already told you, the answer isn't go into a Christian bubble and hope the world doesn't get you dirty. That's not the answer, right? We're charging the gates and they're not gonna prevail. We're charging the gates and they're not going to prevail. I just believe that you know someone who's been eaten up by life. Their life has just messed them up, where they're obsessed with social media. They're, they're stuck in comparison traps.
They're consumed with material things. Do you feel that affecting you at times? Harassed and afflicted. Jesus says that, he goes on to say that they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep who don't have a shepherd. Jesus says, you know what they need, <laughs> right? In that statement, he's saying they need something. They, they, need, they need a shepherd. They need someone who's gonna guide them. They need someone who's gonna come alongside them, who's gonna correct them, who's gonna bring them here. He's talking about himself, of course. They're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus says that they need me. They need the truth of Jesus Christ. They need to know who he is. You know what they need? They need a group of people. They need middle schoolers and high schoolers and young adults who will boldly proclaim who Jesus is. That's what they need. And so you can look at the world and feel sick to your stomach and your heart can break. And I think that's good. I think you should feel all those things. It's called holy discontent. To feel all those things and, and, and the answer isn't to feel overwhelmed. The answer is to go in boldly proclaim yes. the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you to go in there and say you have all the answers for, for mental health and all the answers for anxiety and all the answers for broken relationships. I'm not telling you that. I'm saying you need to go into the world around you and show them Jesus. Yes. Boldly proclaim who Jesus is. We want to be that church. We want to be the people who show the world around us, that they need someone. They need, they need God, they need Jesus to show them what's good and to remove them from what's destruction, the destructive things in life. They need some truth in their life. They need help. They, they need Jesus. They need the church. They need God's people who are surrounding them in their hurt. Our, our, our senior pastor likes to say that, that people, they need church because they need help they need hope and they need a home. They need help, they need hope, and they need a home. So we boldly proclaim truth to them because that's, that's what they need. We wanna be that church. And if you weren't listening the whole time, listen now. We wanna be that church. Let's be a church that works to help those who are harassed and helpless from life by bringing them to a place where they can have their life transformed through Jesus, where they can build healthy relationships around Jesus and experience audacious faith for Jesus. And that is only possible when we boldly proclaim who Jesus is. We need to be that church. That's what the church is. We need to be that church. That means we need to boldly proclaim this truth to get them here. We got to get people to Jesus. We got to get people to church to hear some of that truth, to change their life, to get some good advice for a change, to, to, to just learn that sin doesn't have to control them, to learn that they're, they're, there's more important things than the things they thought were important, that they have no chance. They have no chance without you. They have no chance without you. Unless, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, things are never gonna get better. They're not. Dr. Seuss, the Lorax. <laughs> unless you open your mouth, unless you reach out a hand, unless you invite someone to come with you, I'm not saying you need to have all the answers. I'm saying you need to have enough courage to say, come with me, come with me, and, and that's you, 
and you have people around you who are harassed and helpless, but they have you and you have Jesus. I need to encourage you and challenge you to go and proclaim the truth to him. This is one of those times where you pray and work. You pray and then you get to work. So many people are like, I've been praying for my friend. They're not a Christian. I've been praying them for five years, Gabe. Nothing's ever happened. Have you ever invited them to church? Well, no, but I pray. Okay, I'm glad you pray. Now open your mouth, extend a hand, invite them with you. Tell them about Jesus. This is one of those things where we pray and we work. We work and we pray. They go hand in hand. Pray for more and work for now. Pray for more and work for now. We're going to push you. Hear this out. We're going to push you in this series to do whatever it takes to make sure that they, those people in your life, make it to trademark. That they make it to trademark. Between now and Halloween, we're going to do a two-liter giveaway. And it might sound funny. It's just a two-liter of soda, but it's something. And it might be just enough to get them in the door. Hey, if you come to church, they're going to give you a two-liter soda, and I'm going to get one too. That sounds like a party. Yeah. <laughs> and so for the next, I don't know, it's, it's like seven weeks or something like that. We're going to be doing this every week. And, and, and we're encouraging you. We're trying to give you a little incentive. We have flyers available for you on the way out that are printed literally today to try to put some resources in your hand to invite people to get in the doors here. Let me, let me tell you something about what happens. Tonight we set up every seat we have which is why you walked in, you're like, dang, there's a lot of chairs. We set up every seat we have. Look around you a little bit. There's a few empty chairs, okay? There's a few empty chairs. I'm gonna be honest, you guys showed up tonight, so it's not as bad as I thought it would be, right? But there's a few empty chairs, okay? Most weeks at Trademark, we have about 40 people in the room. Sometimes 50, something like that. But we own 90 chairs. We own 90 chairs. And so we set them up so you can see them. We'll set them up for this series and, and we'll see. But we're encouraging you to fill the seats. We're encouraging you to fill the seats. Now you can do it, but you have to do it. Uh, my friends are too old to come to Trademark. <laughs> Although I got one here this week, so I'm already up one. Right? So, so you have to do it. You got to get them here. Okay, so, so, so that's the challenge. Fill every seat. But you have to make it part of your life, constantly working to help those harassed and afflicted. Get them to church so they can meet Jesus and meet his people. Here's the action point. Take action. I want you to write down at least two names that you're going to invite to trademark. Like feasible names, not like your cousin who lives in Canada. Like someone who could actually show up in the coming weeks. Write down two names at least. If you've got five names, great. I'm not even joking. Anissa rolled out like 20 people one time. So, so uh, two, is not the, the, two is not the max, two is the bottom, okay? Two people that you're gonna get to trademark. Now you might, you might be like, well, I'll invite my parents. Okay, I'll count it. I mean, they're not in trademark, but cool. We'll count it. <laughs> well, I'll give you a two liter and everything. But check this out. I'm, I'm challenging you to do this. Now, I, I gotta be honest. One time I did this and we had 132 chairs. We owned 132 chairs. We did the same thing. We set up all 132 chairs. We had like 28 people show up that night and we were like, we're gonna fill the seats. And we actually did. And, and Trademark blew up. It was, we used to be called Ignited. And uh, we blew up and we, we actually overfilled our capacity in this room and we went to the sanctuary and we moved the adults over. Now this can happen. We've been praying for this for a long time. This has been in my heart for a long time coming. We're going into a season of growth as a church. We're going into a season of growth at Trademark. We're expecting, we're not hoping, we're expecting growth. It's very different. 
We're expecting growth. We're expecting you to bring people. We're expecting you to show up. You already know what this series is about. In the next coming weeks, if you invite your friends, they're going to hear about life transformation. They're going to hear about audacious faith, and they're going to hear about authentic relationships. Three great series to bring a friend to, even if they're a new Christian. Roll them out, okay? I'm going to pray for you, and if you have any questions about this, you need help with this, Go ahead and ask me. Ask one of the leaders. You can point people to our Instagram. It'll be super active in the coming weeks. You've got flyers on your way out. Leaders, make sure they all get flyers on their way out. We're going to get people out here. All right? Amen? You with me? Stand your feet. Let's pray. We'll dismiss. Dear Lord, we thank you for your church. We acknowledge that it's yours. We acknowledge that everything here, everyone here, everything that we do here, it's all about you, Jesus. God, we thank you that you've blessed us with this building, you've blessed us with all these people here, and you've blessed us with 90 chairs. God, we're asking you for growth. We're praying and we're gonna work. And so God, I pray that right now in these students' hearts and in their minds, you're already planting names and faces of people that they're gonna invite in the coming weeks so we can pack the house so that more people can know your truth, God, that more people, people who are harassed and helpless because of the world around them can come and find life and hope, can find a home here all because of you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Don't forget your flyers.